Is there a middle ground between radical candor and ruinous empathy? We ask that question and more today on the Silicon Valley After Show. So stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Wait for it. Wait. That's the song I wanted to start with today on the Silicon Valley After Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My name is Jeff. This is the Silicon Valley After Show. This is a show where we meet weekly at AfterBuzz TV to discuss your favorite HBO show. That's, of course, Silicon Valley. Um, Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 3, Chief Operations Officer. But before we do that, I'm surrounded by some brilliant panelists, including Phil Svitek. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Christian Blatt. My favorite HBO show is still Real Sex, but that's all right. Real Sex? No, I'm just saying. When was... I'm like a little... Am I young for that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you a Real Sex guy? You never... Really? You never... it, it, Sex it, it, in the city for me. Yeah. Thank you. The, yeah, right. Exactly. We all we all have our own favorite. HBO in the most charity way, I basically didn't even know what sex was until I was like 19 years old, guys. So Some would probably, say you still don't know. <laughs> Some would say. Aww. Hopefully not my fiance. And of course, we have <laughs> Nate Miller here on the panel that's as well. That's me. That's that's him. Christian okay. took all of my thunder. Yeah, the thunder's gone. We're just left with the after effects of the thunder. Right. We're just left with Olympus. The Olympus. Um, of course, the first song you guys heard today was "I You Suffer" by Jules. Help me out, Napalm Death. Is that right? <laughs> Which is in hey, fact, French girl in the booth. Can you tell me what that, what that death metal song randomly is? Randomly throughout the show. Yeah, if you want to drop that throughout the show, Jules, <laughs> whenever you feel don't. appropriate. We won't, we won't I swear God, don't. <laughs> I'm really worried about my Bitcoin every time it's that goes off. Very volatile today. Um, of course, that was one of the jokes in this um, episode we got today, but there's a lot of other segments that we want to hit. We're, of course, going to be covering the episode, but we also have Silicon Valley in real life, which we've sort of revamped for the show. We have our quotes of the week. We have some news, and we have some predictions. So a lot to look forward to today in today's show. But before we get into all that, I would love to hear everyone's overall thoughts. The order I want to go in is to start with Nate and then throw to Phil, because I think we have a bit of disagreement on the episode this week. Nate, take it away. Um, I really liked this episode. I liked uh, getting to see all of the characters that we've definitely established now five seasons in react to kind of a different situation. Um, I liked seeing this little, like, step into corporate espionage that's kind of happening, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got to see a little bit of everybody kind of play their parts just as they should, but I thought it it was paced really well. I thought it was funny. I liked it a lot. Phil? One of the worst episodes I've seen. (laughs) Not just this season. (laughs) Quite literally. Oh, man. They relied too much on awkward humor, and it doesn't play... You can only play that for so long. The show thrives when it's line after line after line. When we talk about favorite quote of the week, I was like, oh, how am I going to pull this off? <laughs> there were no quotes. Uh, and, the, and I appreciate where it got me to, but the way we got there, as far as motivation of the characters, I wasn't really on board. It seemed so random. Even more random than Gilfoyle showing up late for work and playing that heavy metal song. Yeah. Yeah. Did where not like it. Uh, that, that seems fairly consistent with the Gilfoyle that we've come to know. Uh, not giving a shoot. I forget if we can curse on the show or not. Uh, Not giving a darn about the man (laughs) and his schedule because now he has to go into an office. You know, before when they would work in the house, it it didn't matter. Um, I'm leaning a little bit closer to Phil. Uh, I didn't love this episode. Uh, But there's 
always a quote to pull because there's always some great Jared moments. So uh, at least at least you, Jared, over there at the end of the desk, don't let us down uh, on a week to week basis. But it just it's yet again it's another instance of you feel like this episode is another stepping stone to what will be a really good episode. And it just sort of, you know, when you binge the whole season in a a sitting, this will be the little connective tissue that really helped move it along. But uh, nothing stands out for you. I feel like I'm just closer to Nate, so like a little past you. I thought this was a good episode. It's funny, the first time I watched it, I didn't love it, and I kind of agreed with Phil, but I always rewatch it um, before we go live. And my second viewing, I enjoyed it a lot more. I think I was impressed by some of the character work they were doing in this episode. Um, I think they managed to introduce two new characters in this episode that, for the most part, were pretty interesting, that I think, again, we might see more of, because Silicon Valley does such an interesting job of incorporating what seem like small guest roles into later episodes in the season. Um, I agree, it wasn't necessarily the most joke-heavy episode, but I do think the behavior we saw of the characters felt much more consistent with who they are than sometimes what Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We see. Because um, it's funny, Phil, I was thinking about the Guilfoyle stuff too, and that actually is a Guilfoyle I recognize as well. Maybe a moodier version of the Guilfoyle than we're used to, but um, it, the conversation even kind of came up, and we'll get into it, of, you know, why does Guilfoyle stick around if he's such a dick? But it's because he's really good at his job, which we got to see some of in this episode. I'll say one thing before we get into it, because I know it won't come up later. A missed opportunity to use Big Head, and therefore, Christian, I'm pulling you into my side you know more. You just completely got me on your camp, because we're three episodes in now. Mm-hmm. Where has Big Head been? Right. Well, we mentioned Big Head by name, specifically! Yeah. And yet we didn't bring him. So, no missed head. opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Especially, like, there was that moment, and we'll get into it, but when, um, like, Jared is the one who has the realization... I think it would have been much funnier if Big Head was kind of the one who's like, well, the fridges aren't allowed to listen to us. I think there's just like there was some great Big Head opportunities in this episode that weren't used. But let's go ahead and get into some specific coverage, guys. Um, So I think if we're talking about themes, last week we said pettiness was kind of a theme of this episode. I feel like sneakiness was kind of a theme of this episode. Almost every character at one point or another was doing something behind another character's back whether it was on purpose or accidentally. Of course, we had Richard doing it, we had the CEO Ben doing it, and even Kumail accidentally doing it, and then his mole doing it to Gavin as well. So we had a lot of sneaking around in this episode. It's interesting, this was such a plot-heavy episode that I'm going to do my best to break it down by topic. Um, The first topic I want to talk about, I think, is just specifically the dynamics between Richard, Dana, and Ben. To remind you guys, Dana and Ben were two new characters who were introduced this episode. Dana is another CEO who's working for, presumably, a server company. Is that right, Phil? I think they said the name, wasn't it? They did. They compared them to Akamai. Now, (laughs) Akamai does a crap ton, so it's it's hard to pinpoint what exactly they do. Just a large tech thing. Yeah. <laughs> I Successful. mean, not super important to the episode what he specifically does, but he's another CEO just like Richard, and he works with COO Ben, who becomes another important um, character in this episode. So the first thing is Jared introduces Richard to Dana and is pushing those two as friends. How did you guys feel about Dana as a new character on this show? What? 
I didn't feel that uh, we got the payoff on Dane until the end, which mm-hmm. I thought was actually really funny. When Ben's like, oh, no, you know, he's just had a cold for a little while. And then it's like, well, he drives a motorcycle? Just all of a sudden the realization, like, oh, that guy was actually pretty cool. And I, I screwed him over. Uh, but, uh, you know, I th- didn't realize the whole episode was going to revolve around this guy. So when you see him the first time, and even at the party, you're like, okay. Yeah. But uh, that, I don't know, I feel like it's another wasted opportunity where it, it should have been funnier that this guy doesn't really talk. But it, it's that specific kind of awkward humor that you're talking about. You have to get it exactly right. And, um, you know, maybe this actor just didn't have it in him to be quite so awkward. Maybe he's a really fun guy. Well, mm-hmm. what was interesting, when you talk about sneakiness, it's more, if you had to focus it more, it's really about this sort of cheating so it's, uh, it's almost like a wife and a husband mm-hmm. and ben is that let's say wife or husband <laughs> whatever whatever you know floats your boat in this sense but you know th- th- there was that tippy toe around this whole entire thing and yeah it's it just two two completely awkward characters and you know, I thought it worked overall, but as far as the reason why they could be good friends, it, it never really clicked. Like, you know, we've dealt with hosting fees in the past, and I get it, the, the whole point of what they're trying to build is to not have servers. And so it, it's like, how does this fit into the equation? Why should they be friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like by the end it became clear why Jared was pushing their friendship so much. And I think the joke became... Like, maybe Dana is kind of cool, so Jared's actually flattering Richard by saying, oh, you two are so similar. I agree with you, Christian. This was a bit of maybe a, a one-joke character. Um, interestingly, played by Dan Mintz, who voices Tina Belcher on Bob's Burgers. It's kind of a fun... Do you guys watch Bob's? Negative. Nope. No. I'm familiar with None it, None of you guys watch Bob's? I, you just hey. fell flat on your face, no. didn't you? Oh, it's so good! Yeah, I, I watched the pilot me. and hated it, so that's the end of my, that's the end of my I, involvement. With that's the, fair. It gets better. Premise. Um, it's but it's, it was funny to see Tina Belcher in real life. I never. It's funny when you can put a voice to a face. I agree with that concept. Yeah. It's very interesting to see an, an animated. Uh, well, for those of you guys watching who watch Bob's, stick up for me here and tell these guys they should be watching it too. Sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I thought this was look alike. Me and no, the guy and Tina and, and Tina and Belcher. Yeah, they yeah. Sort of do. I think now they, that I now that you pointed it out, yeah. I think they sometimes mo- well they do this in animation yeah, yeah, modeling yeah. character off of the That's actor. Funny. Um, but yeah, this it was an interesting turn. We finally learned, finally learned who he was. But I think for a while we were sort of riding the same train of like, this is a socially awkward um, Silicon Valley CEO. Um, but I, I want to talk about Ben because Ben was really the major catalyst driving this plot. I kind of thought Ben was an interesting character. Um, I feel like we're used to seeing very one-dimensional sort of douchey versions of, C- of Silicon Valley executives. Whereas at least for a while, I thought Ben seemed more, like a more reasonable version of this kind of high high roller in Silicon Valley. What did you guys think? I mean, to, to kind of piggyback off what Phil said, I, I very much, especially on my second viewing, just saw the whole thing as like a, a it's a, a play on a relationship. But but if it was like guys that are working together, mm-hmm. so seeing them like first meet at the party and like. He just like says like all the right things, and he's like, "Oh hey, gotta it's nine a.m. in Dubai. Gotta go, you know, have a call." And Richard's just like, "Wow, so cool." <laughs> and and then also the idea that like Jared is trying to introduce him to Dana because Jared knows both of them and he worked with them, and it's like 
So it's like that when your friend that you trust, like your best friend, like recommends the the really nice girl to you, and you go to the party and introduce, and it's like super awkward. But then a super hot girl walks by, and you're like, oh my god, she likes me. So then to to follow the ups and downs of them with their secret meeting and the texting, all the way up into him ter- basically just turning on him, being like, yeah, I told him about how you wouldn't stop. To, you know, they're all just words in the wind. Right. Just, that's my. Well, I think I think that's the key lesson that. Actions speak louder than words, right. or whatever other cliche you want to pull from. In that sense, where you know you you get seduced by this idea of radical candor and how open and honest Ben is, and yet when it comes down to it, he is the mo- biggest lying sack of yeah. crap you can imagine. Not loyal at all, and and, and so it, it just completely flips as far as what he presents candidly versus what he is not right (laughs) so i wouldn't i wouldn't agree that he's that much different than what we've seen it's just on the face it's more of a hollywood take than a lot of this most of the other silicon volley guys will just tell you to your face like no f you i'm gonna destroy you like he you know will smile and pretend like everything's fine and then pin it on somebody else but i thought that the turn at the end was great i i enjoyed it because at first i i thought he was really cool too mm-hmm. so then in the end when he you know on all that stuff happened i myself was like oh damn it's like that and mm-hmm. i'm glad that richard made the decision not to hire him yeah to what jeff was saying it's almost like he feels like at least initially he feels like a russ henneman that you'd actually hire yeah you right know? yeah uh, and then but at the end you're like well he's got his own different problems and uh you know uh, I, I did love when he showed up with the you know little potted plant in his yeah. box and uh, talking about great. diversity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, as far as the seduction, I mean, you, you go back all these seasons with with um, Richard and the fact that he's always the one having to be the bad guy and make these decisions. This was almost like j- at least a buffer to be like, hey, here's what I need done. Great, I'm doing it. Right. Because it's it's a good comparison as far as uh, Hanneman. You know, he talks a big game, but he's never going to get roll up his sleeves. Mm-hmm. No, and, and he actually has ideas to solve problems, Russ Henneman. But you, you know, you have to take him as the whole package, and you're not interested in Russ Henneman's package, I assume. So because he's not a coder, <laughs> this guy was a coder. Thank you. I'm you're welcome. Like that. And I was honestly seduced when he said, "I told Bill Gates." Google it. <laughs> that got me. That's a pretty awesome that story. That could have been your quote of the week, Phil. Anyway, you were you know, struggling to find I one. got another one. Okay, there's more in, up your sleeve. Yeah, th- I think what's interesting to me, though, is he was like a closet douchebag, but that's why I found him to be a surprisingly believable character. I feel like yeah. Silicon Valley is such a satirical show that usually we just... I mean, like, Gavin Belson is great, a great character, but he's so broad, and he never kind of masks what kind of, like... Uh, what his business philosophy is, whereas I really think people like Ben are probably a dime a dozen in the Valley. You know, someone who seems appealing at first, but really plays by the same douchey rules that a lot of these um, execs play with. I thought, yeah, I thought it was an interesting performance and sort of, yeah, a quieter version of the monster that than we're used to on this show. Um, in terms of the humor of this subplot... Again, this might not have been the funniest episode of Silicon Valley, but the restaurant scene was pretty funny to me. I don't know how that played for you guys. It was it was pretty funny. I think I definitely think it could have been better, but that was one of the ones that in my second time watching, I enjoyed it much more because on my second viewing, I decided to just watch it like they were like in a relationship and they were like <laughs> cheating and that just made it so funny. That <laughs> like he walks in right when they're there. Oh, you're rooting for one? Oh, yeah, me too. And then, of course, the two pot pies coming. And the, yeah, I only kind of like carrots. I thought, I, thought, I thought that was really funny. I did wonder why there was only one glass on the table. It's true. That kind of bothered me. But 
Yeah, because well, they could have made a joke. I was really go. thirsty. They could have like made another right. joke there. Yeah, or he could have like downed them quickly or something. But yeah, did you guys like the restaurant scene? Uh, the Popeye line was kind of the the one takeaway. You know, was the yeah, I only kind of like carrots or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's when it starts to they start to hit you in the face with the uh, look. It's like a relationship. And I'm like, okay. Um, I think uh, you know we could have used a, a little bit of a shorter scene. I think it all hinges for me on the Dana character. I just didn't feel like was great, mm-hmm. you know. And so when he shows up. I'm at least glad that we didn't spend too much, you know, we didn't have like three uncomfortable minutes of them having dinner, which, you know, there's some shows that would have done that. Right. Late so, lunch. You, you're right. Late, Late lunch. lunch. I'm sorry. I have dinner at three. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I thought it was all right. But, yeah, it was it was uh, not my favorite part of the episode, uh, for sure. You know, it's funny. I, I don't feel like I saw the love triangle, like, relationship component as much as you guys did. And that is a funny pitch. And I almost think it might have been funnier if they played that up more. Like, if they would have made it feel... Because Silicon Valley never... Like it was pretty obvious. Did you? Yeah, did especially feel... when, when Richard is sleeping at, uh, Jared's. at Jared's house. And he's, like, texting... Uh, uh, ben. ben. Yeah. <laughs> Meet at my house at midnight. And he's going to tell him, and he's like, eh, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I just feel like they could have made it jokier. Like, what if he finds out? I don't know. I like. Yeah, I, feel I guess. Like, I just feel like there's a way to make that more of a joke rather than know. just an implied, an yeah. analog kind of. I don't, I don't know. know. I, 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 maybe, but I I actually like your take on things, Jeff, and it kind of ties in. Uh, it, it ties in Jared into the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, forgive me for going ahead. No, you're but good. as far as like, because to me, uh, it's really Ben and. And Jared, that are opposition, right? And so, you know, I I don't want to steal your thunder. No, let's let's pull into that. I feel like we're ready to talk about that segment. Of course, Jared is the catalyst behind all of this. Jared introduces Dana and Richard, and ultimately, Jared and Ben are vying for the same position, which is CEO of Pied Piper. Um, this is when I thought some of the smart character work was happening because the show really did, in a smart way, position those two against each other. And whereas. Um, Ben's character really practices this kind of bullshit radical candor, and Richard's character might display this ruinous empathy. Jared kind of lands somewhere right in the middle, right, where he shows that you can promote loyalty and friendship and kindness, but still be a great business person. How did you guys feel about Jared's kind of arc in this episode? Uh, I it, it was it was it felt like a nice uh, resolution. Kind of almost for me because I felt like Jared has been so important to the company the the entirety of the show and that he's been there. He's always been the one that uh, <coughs> I think cares the most and works the hardest. Um, but he's not really get he doesn't really get the recognition. You know, he just gets the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now with them moving to this new bigger format where now they are this company and they've got this office and they've got all these employees and people are starting to get titles and responsibilities and stuff. It makes sense for him to 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 be the COO, if not, you know, an, another similar job. Uh, so it, I, it felt, I like, this is why I kind of liked that they did the relationship thing, because it, it gave us a reason for Richard to realize, oh, sh- you know, I already have a really important person like that for me. I'm just not treating them oh, as yeah. well as I should. And so that I thought that was really cool how they did that, because I, I know we he's, I love Jared. He's like my sweetheart. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was good to see him actually like when he started crying like it was it was funny but it was also like sweet yeah it was sweet because he really cares you, mm-hmm. and you see with what he does like that meeting I loved all that stuff yeah 
And I think that, you know, it wasn't in his own self-interest in trying to become the COO. I like how upset he was that Richard was talking to Ben behind Dana's back. Mm-hmm. He's not being honest no, about no, it. no, no, no. Like, he was so upset, which I thought was actually really funny, that it, like, you know, it really impacted him that well. So, yeah, the way that Jared ties into that story, I think, uh, was great. And uh, when, speaking of when Richard is staying at his house, it does have a, a great Jared line, which is, sweet dreams. And he's just like, I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the episode. Well, I think with Jared, he has the best He has the best interest out for the company, whereas with Ben, if you really look at his pattern, he just destroys things. Mm-hmm. He, he goes through, gets what he needs, maybe makes a ton of money, maybe makes the company a, a, a little bit of money at the same time, but when it's all said and done, he doesn't care what he ruins as long as he gets on to his next gig. Right. You know, he's just a different version of Action Jack Barker or Gavin. Mm-hmm. And whereas Jared, he's there for the long haul. For the team. Yeah, and it was... Phil and I were talking before we went live, of like, why is Jared pushing this friendship between Richard and Dana so hard? Like, what's his motivation? And I really think it's just the idea that, like, Jared does have other people's best interests in mind. Like, he really did think that, despite them being competitive companies, that kind of friendship would ultimately promote both of their business. So it's just, like, the the sort of um, people inclusion approach to business versus the completely individualistic and sort of maniacal approach to business that a lot of these executives take. So it did, I think it played in a smart way. And I don't think I picked up on some of those subtleties until my second viewing. Um, I sort of also have really been enjoying Richard and Jared's friendship this season, um, which I know you have some stuff on that, Phil, but I feel like without Ehrlich, they're needing to find other ways to keep these relationships interesting. And Richard and Jared, we saw some of it last season, but it almost does feel like this weird work marriage. Um, and I've really enjoyed seeing those two. Phil, you've got some stuff on that, well, right? Vulture.com did a good article, especially after yesterday's episode, about how Richard and Jared's relationship has continued to blossom. And as far as uh, that, we live in a culture of shipping, where mm-hmm. you take uh, whatever two people and you, you create a relationship, or because we're so millennial and don't care to say the whole word, ship. So as such, Jared and Richard... I don't think it's any secret, are fan favorites. And when they can play into that, it, it, it always makes for a better show. Now, to that same token, there is an underlying theme there as far as uh, it, that Jared is the only one that actually has empathy at all in the <laughs> show. You, you know, we could say Dinesh and Guilfoyle are frenemies at best. Certainly, when we talked about pettiness last episode, that's the theme of the show, whereas Jared is that one character who rises above that if you will mm-hmm. not even richard has gone unscathed yeah yeah i mean even if you extend it out to of course bachman jin yang there jared is really the only person who isn't just out for their own best interests mm-hmm. you know he he cares about the company but of course first and foremost he really cares about richard which i think is very funny at times but every once in a while there are some some sort of sweet moments behind it yeah, it's like I think that territory is pretty much the only time we see the show entering anything but cynical and satirical. Yeah. And it is surprising how well it works when it happens. I think it might just be the music, but like <laughs> it's I think it's tough to pull this off in shows like this. Like Veep never has anything like this. So the fact that Silicon Valley can give us five percent of sweet moments and they work, I think is a credit to not only the writing, but kind of the way it's shot and edited. Because I think there's like a lot that's going into that that makes it tougher than we think it is as an audience. 
Yes, Juliet delivering <laughs> My damn the Bitcoin. Um, and with that transition, if you guys are interested in Bitcoin or finances or life in general, we have a great podcast recommendation for you, and it's coming from Sir Christian Blatt. Christian, take it away. Want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life? For those who do, have we got the podcast for you. Conversations with Maria Menounos Podcast Edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz TV founder and drops every Friday on iTunes. Conversations with Maria Menounos features celebrity and influencer interviewers and interviews. She's a celebrity and influencer interviewer and the interviews themselves, along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of life. From health and wellness to career, relationships, finances, and more, let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free. Oh, did you hear that? For free! (laughs) Be sure to rate and comment, and when you do, let Maria know that it was us who sent you there. Yes, tell her it was a Silicon Valley after show that sent you there. Conversations with Maria Menounos Podcast Edition. Check it out. And I'm a satanic anarchist, Mm -hmm. and I'm still down for this. Yeah. I support this message. (laughs) I was on it last week, you guys. Check it out. Oh. Mm -hmm. So you can hear me. It's pretty, pretty cool. cool. I'm, a, I'm an influencer. I, I, I've, I've, I've been on the show before, too. Uh, so, so, you know, oh, two so it's not four. just you, all right? Oh, yeah. well, well, but you guys. We're going to one-up each when's other. Maria had you guys on? Um, <laughs> that Nader listeners. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Avid. And you should be, too, guys. It's a great show. Conversation with Maria Menounos. That's every Friday. She is a very, very bright woman. Check that out. We have one more topic to talk about, guys, and that's, of course, the Dinesh, Jeff, Seppin, Guilfoyle subplot. And I guess Gavin's in there, too. Yeah. I'm sort of grouping all of them together, but to remind you guys, this is how um, this is the plot involving the mole that we now know as Jeff, sort of extracting information to Dinesh and trying to leverage that into a Hooli deposition at the company. Um, so, Phil, this is interesting. Before we went live, well, we've already sort of talked about this, so I'm going to steer away from that question. Okay. One thing that's interesting to me, did you guys think it was in character for Dinesh to spill the beans kind of so quickly with Jeff? It almost, I know we have a joke about Dinesh being not able to hold his liquor at all, but this almost seemed like an overly dumb version of Dinesh to the point where I was like a little annoyed. Uh, I think that... You know, it's consistent with the way that he, you know, it's not the same as him trying to impress a woman, but he is trying to impress somebody. He wants somebody to think he's cool. He, he wants to be more fun than he even knows that he is. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that he had, you know, a big tumbler of vodka. And we don't know quite how much time passed before he gave away the secrets. So uh, it, it does seem like Dinesh that he would he would be the one. Well, you, you're right, Christian, because in that sense, I mean, Whereas before, remember, like the the girlfriend who the Wi-Fi hacker, yeah, uh, he, he, his one common thread was just talk. The, he didn't know what he wanted to talk about, and then as soon as they connected about their hatred for Guilfoyle, <laughs> that's what drove the relationship. Granted, the 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 driving force there was um, the P word, if you will, or the V word. In this case, <laughs> in this case, it's you know alcohol induced, so it's right. a little different, but I, I think- same sort of principle applies. I think one of the best things about Dinesh and Guilfoyle and why they're so funny playing off each other is their, how they're almost polar opposites and they've mm-hmm. kind of played a lot to that this season so far. Um, but especially even with this the the way that he's the one that lets it go is just too poetic after how much work and how sure Guilfoyle is that he wiped their hands clean there's no way there's no way that they could find out that they were attached to what happened. And sure enough, 
Dinesh gets drunk and just lets it slip and doesn't even remember. It's just like too perfect of opposites and driving Guilfoyle mad. Yeah. Because Richard's like, well, you must have made a mistake. He's like, there's no way. There's no way I could have made a mistake. Well, I disagree that he doesn't remember. I think he knows exactly that he's the one that did it, but he's embarrassed and he doesn't want to tell them because the way that he handles the fact that this news got out, he's like... Oh no! I think really? he's yeah. I, 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 I got the impression. I, I got the impression he knew. Yeah, but he goes no. to Jeff. He goes straight to Jeff. Hey, we have a mole. He's like excited. Yeah. No, I guess that moment is. He doesn't is, remember. Well, I guess he needs to learn how to hold his liquor then. Yeah. I I can see what you're saying. I would agree with you, Jared, until that moment. I think that's yeah. For no, me. no. I actually didn't think about it, but yeah, you're right. Once that moment happens, it's uh, it's pretty clear because he marches up to him right. and you think like, okay, so this is what we've been building towards. And then you're right. Yeah, he doesn't know. But as we were watching, I that was what my takeaway was was that he did right. know. But you're right. Uh, yeah. No. With, in um, light of all the information, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I guess he has no idea that he sold out. Can't hold his liquor. Speaking what? of more information, it's just another form of relationship where as far as Jeff, like, instead of trying to get with the Nash, he's really working hard at trying to get this information, and then finally he's about to give up, and... <laughs> You know, Dinesh puts out, spills the beans. I thought this was pretty funny. I like the point you brought up, um, Nate, about how it ended up screwing Guilfoyle over anyway. Like, that's pretty funny writing that even accidentally Dinesh, like, drives Guilfoyle (laughs) crazy. Like, that's a very subtle, like, explanation of their relationship on the show. Um, I thought this, it was pretty brilliant how they called back to Seppin. And the fridge stuff. It's another example of, I can't think of many other sitcoms that can borrow from old moments so, like, um, efficiently and, like, in a way that's so plot logical. I thought this worked really well. How did you guys feel like the Sepp and stuff all worked? If you buy into how Dinesh was just able to to throw into it, yeah, it it worked out really well as far as everything else. uh, Apparently that's a big if for some of us. <laughs> it was a fun callback, and I, I I liked being reminded of the refrigerator stuff. So the mime, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I'm on your side. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I, and I I also like that they're at a level now that it, it's more of a big deal that like all, they have all this stuff on the line, and now they're getting hit with this you know lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And then just the scene too with Gavin, like, stop talking. I don't care about the tour. <laughs> I just I'm, I'm, I, I'll help you. I want to destroy these people. Yeah. I thought it was a great, like, we got Gavin in the episode, but it wasn't like last week where it was like just a little too much. It was like just enough. He's here. He's doing stuff. He's causing problems for them. Now he's gone. He got a joke. It was good. That's it. So I thought I really, I liked that part. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much the episode, guys. Anything we're missing in terms of coverage? You know, I know we'll get into the segment in one second, but as far as, like, the refrigerators, what I appreciate about it, it just goes to show how everything is moving from your standard appliance to mm-hmm. all of a sudden being smart, and they're just like, we just want to make no fridges. Yeah. <laughs> Our marketing team made us. Yeah. And I love, and Jared goes, well, you know what? I've had a step in bread maker for that over was three perfect. years, and it's I never like let that. me down. Yeah, it's just such an iconic. It's my favorite appliance ever. Yeah. <laughs> such a good Jared moment. Um, and you're right, Phil. That is like a smart commentary on how everything's becoming smart, and simultaneously the rest of us are just becoming dumber. It's nice to get little jokes and like attention to that that's mm-hmm. not over, like bashing us in the head, just like the Bitcoin thing. Like yep. We got a little bit about Bitcoin, but it wasn't like a whole, like, oh, my God, what – Piper coin or something like that. I was worried they were going to do something like that, but hopefully I don't 
don't think that they're going to. Well, speaking of Silicon Valley in real life, we actually have our segment, Silicon Valley in real life, where we talk about some of the um, culture that this show is satirizing. Guys, I have three stories for you, and I want you to tell me which you think is the real one. So basically... We need music for this segment. Yeah, can you play some Jeopardy, Jules? Um, So it's like two truths and a lie, except it's, it's two untruths and a truth. Exactly. Two lies and a truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the <way> yes. yes. <laughs> Both correct. Or untruths. You're not wrong. All right. Um, okay, so the first one I have is that scientists created a douchebag AI named Norman by using the darkest corners of Reddit to train him. The second one I have is that iPhones and iPods um, are accidentally downvoting Nickelback on their um, like iTunes, like not on the iTunes store, but on your phone or iPod. You know how you can rate the song? Like, out of five. Some people think that maybe someone from Apple coded that into the newest update. And then the third story I have is that venture capitalist John Doerr, who works for Kleiner, Perkins, Caulfield, and Byers, um, they're one of the biggest venture capital firms in uh, Silicon Valley, installed a hydraulic lift in his shower that allows the shower to lift above his roof so we can get a fresh air shower. But he stopped doing it because the paparazzi were snapping nude photos of him. Those are your three stories. You have to so tell me. two of these are true and one is a lie? Only one is true. Only one is true. So yeah. That's why I said what I said. Yes. Well, two of them are untruths, and then one of them is a truth. So we're trying to figure out which one is true. Yes. Yes. Um, do, we all, in, in, do we all get a pick? Or we just... yeah, yeah, I think we should each line. pick. Nate wants to go first. Oh, man. <laughs> um... Can I hear them again? Yeah, just to I'll summarize them no, no, quick. Okay. I'll do it quick. So the first one is that scientists created a douchebag right, AI douche named Norman from Reddit. Yeah. using Reddit. The second one is that iPhones are seemingly downscoring Nickelback songs I mean, and albums in the phones. I hope that's true. And right. I want that to be true. <laughs> the yeah, third we all one, agree what we want to be true. Yeah, that's, we, we, yeah, we, we all want it. the Nickelback one to yes. be true. And the third one is that John Doerr, who's a venture capitalist, one of the most um, famous in Silicon Valley, installed a hydraulic lift in his shower that goes I out of a skylight. Um, but paparazzi okay. were taking naked photos. I think I think that one is true. The paparazzi one is true. Okay. I pick and number I, one, the AI. You think the AI one is I true? I think the Nickelback one is true. Interesting. Okay. I just want to keep things interesting. That's why I picked a different one. Yeah. The one that's that way, one true is actually the first one. Scientists did what? create. I thought that was Hell true, yeah. but then it was so it, vague. There it, was no it, like it, names. Like who are these scientists? Actually, so it, I thought that's this, the yeah, one that yes. sounded the fakest yeah. to me. Really? So, yeah. Um, so basically, the Nickelback. Um, <laughs> Norman, the psychopathic robot. Um, they created an AI using like the alt right and like you know how Reddit's like the yeah. shittiest place oh, in yeah. the world sometimes. Well, um, the Donald is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like some of Apparently you've never been to Cleveland. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you know I'm from Cleveland, Christian. Yeah, not really. Um, okay, so what they did was they showed ink blots. What is that called? A Rorschach test? Rorschach test, yeah. And um, they were like pictures, like very obviously like a bird or like a tree. And the robot said, this one is a man being shot and dumped from a car. <laughs> and this one is a man getting pulled into a dough machine. So just very dark and very psychopathic. It's Norman the robot. All right. Yeah. So hot dog, not hot dog. Yeah, it's the extreme <laughs> example and the dark example of hot dog, not hot dog. Um, let's do our quotes of the week quickly, guys. I can start if you guys want. Um, it's hard for me to not credit the writers. Carrie Kemper wrote this, Ellie Kemper's sister, actually. Um, the quote is Jared, of course. Richard, you tell me if you harbored nativist feelings, wouldn't you? That was pretty funny. That was pretty good. <laughs> My quote of the week is a double quote. It's the, It's the... Uh, Gavin and Guilfoyle almost in the same manner of 
stop talking when they're when they're giving the, the when they're giving their speech about their fridges and the hearth and stuff. You're right. That was a callback. Yeah. Uh, mine was also Jared uh, when he says, "I'm at least 45 pounds underweight." <laughs> that was good. Mine is a three-parter. Dana injured himself on the job too. Jared says, trying to find valid connections to keep Richard interesting, and then he leaves. How did you injure yourself? Richard asked. I tried to commit suicide. <laughs> Dana very, says, "Very bleak." And then he goes, "He goes, he goes. Cool. Uh, I mean, I mean, not, not cool. cool. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it was a great, that great, was a great Richard, moment. Good one. great Richard moment. Um, okay, I think we have a little bit of news. Is that right, Phil? Just a smidge. Uh, there's a great publication we can all count on to deliver the great news. It's called MySanAntonio.com, and this week. <laughs> They put together the characters, that the real people that inspire the characters on Silicon Valley. So when we talk about Richard Hendricks, we primarily get Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter's Jack Dorsey, mm-hmm. and even CEO of Quora, Adam D'Angelo. They're essentially the Silicon Valley wonder kid who codes his way to the top. Each of them are kind of like Richard that are coders and become CEOs. Then, of course, we get to Gavin Belson, which combines the mega something. I can't read. Megalomaniacal style. There you go. That's why I have Christian to help me. CEOs of Larry Page, Larry Ellison, and Mark Beinhoff. Those are, uh, that's, of course, Google. That is, uh, the CEO of BuzzFeed is also mentioned in their uh, Salesforce. And so he's kind of uh, all those things. People meshed into the one. And then this is going back to season one. The late Peter Gregory embodied embodied Peter Thale at his core. Mm, Peter Thale. There you go. Cool. Um, So, you know, that's who we have. So always keep tuning into MySanAntonio.com for more great Silicon Valley news. I would say that Russ Henneman is the fire festival guy. If we had to pick someone, (laughs) that would be my guess. Um, okay, finally, guys, we are going to end our show with some predictions. And now, predictions. I haven't prepped, so Phil goes first. <laughs> <laughs> You're so candid, aren't you? I know. I was, guys, I was this like radical candor. on it until right you now. You understand. Being honest and open about things doesn't mean suck at your job. Fair enough. That's why you're going first, Phil. All right. What do I want to see? Mr. Megalomaniacal. I'm with Christian. I want to see Big Head. Come on. You know, as far as as everything else, they did a wonderful job of setting things up. I think as far as what the driving force will be, we have to find this mole. The fact that it's right in our faces will certainly be played to its full fruition. And I... They're going to really milk this Dinesh's an idiot uh, plot, and I hope it's done properly because some of the motivations in this episode, I like where we got to, but the motivations, I wish were a little bit stronger. So, as far as, uh, you know, we'll see what Jin Yang is up to. Uh, I am glad to see that uh, Lori and Monica will be in next week's show because my prediction is that, uh, you know, Lori is... uh, not somebody who suffers fools uh, at all, really. And I think she's going to be like, all right, so where are we in this 
this thing and she's gonna i think she's gonna probably lay it on monica a little bit because it is monica who vouched for all of this and uh i think you know we're gonna see laurie very displeased mm-hmm. but, but you won't friends. really be able to because they're her, her best friend uh i think we're gonna see more obviously more of this uh corporate espionage plot mm-hmm. and uh, i'm excited for that just to see what happens with jazzy jeff and uh hoover's plans and i think the uh those coders that are not doing anything on the hooli campus i think they might be involved in this Ooh, at some point an army i think that may be how they use them but do you yeah. think they're smart enough to feed false information to see who we can get as the i mean mole? that's usually the first thing you do to try to catch a mole is say something wild and see if you, see you tell a something. bunch of people different crazy things and then you find out which one you hear about that's usually yeah, like the first way that you. Pied Piper has not been the most, uh, <laughs> you know, by the book sort True. of company. True. <laughs> yeah, it will be really interesting to see how they deal with this mall. Um, one thing I would be excited to see is one of my favorite things about Ehrlich was um, sort of him being involved in the world of investors. He was such an an atypical example of what these kind of venture capitalists are usually like. So when he would be at parties or social functions with his tribe, it was always funny. Now that Jared's like a COO and he's like an executive, I'd be very interested to see how he interacts with kind of the other COOs in town. Um, I don't know if that's something we will see, but I just think he's he's an atypical example of, I think, what we would expect for a company COO. So I hope we get to see some of that. Um, but until then, we don't know because Silicon Valley is, of course, every Sunday, which means we'll be back next week, guys. Um, again, we're here every Sunday at 4 p.m. We should have had the live chat pulled open today. Monday. But, sorry, guys. Monday. Monday at 4 p.m. The show airs on Sunday. Um, but we will have the live chat pulled up next week in case any of you guys want to join. Um, you can hop on YouTube and find us there. In case you didn't know, we have multiple verticals. So we used to air our content on just the AfterBuzz TV YouTube channel. Now it airs on the AfterBuzz TV comedy YouTube channel. So check us out there. Until then, then until then, guys, my name is Jeff. You can find me online at Jeffrey C. Graham. And how about the rest of you guys? Hey, guys, you can find me on all social media at DogLikeNate. That's Dog with two Gs. You can find me at Christian DMZ, and uh, later on tonight I'll be uh, hosting Marvel TV News right here at AfterBuzz. And me and Christian do South Park Weekly here on AfterBuzz TV. Thank you guys as always. I'm at Phil Svitek, and Jeff, I give you a C plus for leading this episode. You oh, were going strong up until that, the end. That I mean, is some really radical candor. Yeah, it's not a great way to end the show, I'll give you a but B plus, uh, Jeff. Um, also, guys, we have guests <laughs> coming in three weeks, so stay tuned for that, oh, and we'll yeah. see you then. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.